glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the corner of Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter, and of course, you can find my co-host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. As I mentioned, we are just we are part of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network, which has a ton of great podcasts associated with it, some of which are Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto from Sirius XM Radio, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarland, Blake Sullivan, and a ton of others. And you can find all of them on FullTimeFantasy.com, your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. We are also excited to be partnered with ExpandTheBoxScore.com. You can find them at XTB, or I'm sorry, XT box score on Twitter. They have some of the best stats in the industry, including a ton of college football stats uh, that you cannot find anywhere else. And, and I'm telling you, they are the best of the best when it comes to college football stats. I use them for all the stuff you see me posting on Twitter. They also have NFL and baseball and basketball stats on the way. Phenomenal website, just $15 a year for a subscription. And if you use our code ROUNDTABLE, you guys will get 10% off of that. So it is 10 times worth it, in my opinion. Great stats help you become a better fantasy player. Check it out at expandtheboxscore.com. Matt will be jumping on here in just a minute with me. We're running a little bit earlier than usual. Uh, Matt, who lives in Colorado, obviously they have a lot of snow coming their ways. I've got some stuff going on, so we're running a, we're going to run through the rest of the week eight games today. We'll talk about any trades or anything that go down while we're recording. Otherwise, we are going to give all of the trade breakdown on Thursday. There's already one news uh, piece that's come down, not necessarily a trade, but a, but a change, uh, in quarterback here that we'll, we'll talk about here right at the top of the podcast, and if any trades come through, we will definitely do that as well. Hello! And Matt's back with us. Matt, what's going on? How are you doing on this beautiful Tuesday afternoon? Well, I'm glad it's beautiful for you. Uh, We're still (laughs) hovering right around 20 degrees. They said absolutely would not start snowing till. uh, this afternoon, so I went out yesterday in the afternoon, shoveled you know six or eight inches off the driveway, and wouldn't you know, snowing this morning has not stopped. The weather people, God, God love them. I've watched three different ones to get a uh-huh. sample, and we can expect anywhere from zero to twelve inches tonight. So oh you know, goodness. real tight range to plan for. Well, I say beautiful here. I was being semi-sarcastic. It's not quite as bad as that, but it's rainy and like 40 degrees here. So it's not beautiful, but clearly better than what you guys have going on. I know uh, we were talking off-air yesterday about my parents having to go back up there. They just made it up there a couple hours ago, so I'm glad they got there before uh, it gets really bad because it does sound like you guys are in for some serious weather here in the next couple days. Uh, Let's see here. I mean, speaking of serious weather, we saw a ton of games this past weekend have to deal with the rain, and that is what we are going to do today. We, uh, excuse me, we're going to, um, my goodness, 
Woo. This NFL season just got me that choked up. Uh, we were going to talk about NFL trades, as I said on the podcast yesterday, but due to the weather Matt has going on, as I mentioned earlier, and then stuff I have, we're going to run through the rest of the games here, uh, and then we'll do definitely trade stuff. We'll focus an entire episode on Thursday to that. Just want to give everybody a heads up now. Uh, if anything goes down while we're we're talking about the games, we'll go ahead and jump in and break it down, but expect full breakdowns on Thursday's episode. So let's jump in and finish talking about the games we did not get to yesterday. First and 10 at the Lions 29, and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10. Elliott to the pylon. Zeke Elliott, touchdown. 38 on the screen. Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, Chubb runs, he's in the 15, he's in the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, there goes Chubb, he's in the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb a love a home! 92 yards! From Adam. Case on a deep throb, steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Dick. Stay oh home. My God. Oh my God. The first one up is the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams, which wouldn't you know it, some news dropped just before we started recording on that Andy Dalton has now been benched and that Ryan Finley is now going to be the starter for the Bengals moving forward. Uh, Interesting decision, I guess. I do think there's a chance Andy Dalton ends up getting traded. I don't know if this changes much for their offense. Uh, I actually liked Ryan Finley. I own him in a couple super flex leagues, so I think he's a good quarterback. I don't think that changes much for them this year. Uh, What about you, Matt? Think any changes, anything? Think for Mixon, Boyd, or, or Tate moving forward? No, not really. You know, Andy Dalton, we, we all like to make fun of him, and, you know, he may not be a world-winning quarterback, but he's hardly the problem on offense for the Bengals. You have Joe Mixon back there, can't run for anything. Dalton, in a good game, got sacked five times, had no turnovers on Sunday, rating of 86. I, I mean, he's doing his best. They've actually put up some decent passing numbers. They just... They have no line. They haven't had Adrian Green all season. So um, I understand the Bengals wanting to maybe get a look at Finley and see if he could be the future. Yeah, uh, I think we all think Andy's probably not their long-term future. Uh, but a little bit of a, a tough break. It's not like with some of the other guys that we've seen that got uh, that got benched, you know, like Mariota for performance issues or uh, Eli for performance issues. Yeah. Andy hasn't played that badly. He's just on a bad team. 
Yeah, I mean, in, in all fairness to Andy, as you just said, he hasn't played that badly. And in, in all honesty, he really has never had that good of a team around him. Even when they had a lot of pieces, they were running that kind of Marvin Lewis, Hugh Jackson offense, and we've seen that maybe those were not quite as good of coaches as we thought they were. I mean, Marvin Lewis did have a lot of winning seasons, but uh, just really wasn't able to do anything with them. So Andy Dalton likely, whether it's traded or at the end of this year, is no longer going to be a Cincinnati Bengal. He did go 32 of 52 with 329 yards and one touchdown on Sunday to come in as QB 13 with 28.16 points. Joe Mixon, RB 12 with 17.7 points, 66 yards on 17 carries and added 11 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Uh, Erickson comes in. Alex Erickson comes in again as the best wide receiver for the Bengals, 15.7 points, 97 yards on six catches. Tyler Boyd, wide receiver, 26 with 12.8 points, 65 yards on six catches. Tyler Eifert has himself a pretty good game, 74 yards on six catches to come in at tight end eight with 13.4 points. And then Auden Tate on the rise here, wide receiver, 33 with 11.5 points, 65 yards on five catches, out-targeted everybody by a pretty decent margin in this game as well with 13. So as we just talked about, obviously, Dalton to the bench, Finley in, we already talked about, obviously, does possibly have any upside for, for the offense. What about if A.J. Green gets traded? I honestly feel if Green gets uh, Green moves on, that helps his value and Auden Tate's upside as well. Because I really feel like if Green comes back, Auden Tate's going to kind of be moved back more toward that wide receiver three where I think he's really kind of moved in behind Boyd, even though Erickson's been having a good good couple weeks. Are you believing in Erickson? Are you believing in Tate? How are you seeing this wide receiver core shake out? Actually, I think with the quarterback change, given their issues on the offensive line, everybody takes a big step back for at least a few weeks. Because uh, no matter how ready Finley might be, he's not played in an NFL game, and you're behind a really suspect offensive line. I mean, Joe Mixon had his best day of the season on Sunday, and he mustered 66 yards on 17 carries and had four catches for 11 yards. I think there's going to be some big growing pains. Obviously, you know, Erickson's a guy I put out and started last week, Tate, too. I think there's been value because they've been behind and had to throw in garbage time. You probably need to see what it looks like with Ryan Finley back there uh, for a couple weeks before you feel confident of anyone. Yeah, and let's see here. I was trying to get their schedule to hurry up and pull up, but my phone is taking forever to see. They've got the the Ravens this week, so not an easy matchup. Do have the Raiders and then the Steelers after that, so Raiders definitely a better matchup than the Steelers, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. I feel like obviously you do have to downgrade expectations a little bit. I, I still like Tate's uh, long-term value. I think he's really kind of proven this this year that he can be a good wide receiver in the NFL and for fantasy. Uh, so that's why I said the A.J. Green thing, I really think if they moved him would help out Tate because he will get kind of relegated more toward, I don't want to say a bench role, but a but a but get a lesser kind of uh, workload here with A.J. Green coming back because we all know he is a Pro Bowl yep. wide receiver. Well, and you have to wonder what, you know, we've all been waiting for kind of that Tyler Boyd breakout hasn't really, he's been okay, but yeah. not what we thought he might be based on what we were seeing last year. So it's it's really hard to tell. And, you know, who is Finley going to have rapport with? You know, maybe a guy like an Erickson does better right off the bat because he was in like the second and third team until recently. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of some questions surrounding that. They have a bye week to work on getting that in place. And then, uh, you know, home for the Ravens. So, you know, out of the 
frying pan into the fire. The Ravens definitely made some improvements when they got Marcus Peters kind of shorn up that back end a little bit. Yeah. So no doubt they're going to be coming for the rookie. I just think it's going to take a couple games to figure out what he's like as a pro. Yeah, and on, on the Boyd discussion, I, th- I feel like Boyd's just kind of showing us who he is. He's he's just a wide receiver, too. He gets a lot of catches, and, and he does a very good job. He's got a good catch reception or good catch percentage. He gets a lot of receptions and yards. He just doesn't give you that many touchdowns. I feel like he – we all hyped him up. I don't know necessarily you. I, a lot of us in the industry, including myself, hyped him up with Green going down, hey, he can be that wide receiver one. I think we just have to accept him for what he is. He's a, he's a middle to low end wide receiver, too. He's going to get you yards. He's going to get you catch and PPR, which is going to help you out. He's just not going to put up a lot of touchdowns. I, I think maybe we, we've just seen what he is, and maybe we thought more would, more would come with Green going down, and he's shown us that that's just not going to happen. We just need to probably believe what we've seen at this point, I think, is a, is a fair assessment to make on him. Not a bad player, but just not quite what we thought he could be, and maybe we overhyped him, I guess, is a, is a fair way to put it. Uh, on the Rams side here, Jared Goff, 17-31, 372 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions to come in as QB9 with 31.13 points. Todd Gurley was a huge disappointment, in my opinion, this week. 44 yards on 10 carries and a touchdown. Uh, did not do really, or did nothing in the receiving game. Came in as RB25 with 10.4 points. I thought he would be RB1 on the week with as bad as the Bengals had been against the run. Cooper Cup, though, dominated this game. Actually beat out Isaac Bruce's uh, record for most receiving yards in a game. Seven catches, 220 yards, and a touchdown. To come in as wide receiver, two with 35 points. And then Josh Reynolds, wide receiver, 18 with 16.2 points, 30 uh, three catches, 73 yards, and a touchdown. Robert Woods, uh, pretty non-existent in this one, just 36 yards on two catches. Brandon Cooks out early, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately got another concussion and then got knocked out of this game. Uh, really, for me, not much to mention. I mean, obviously, as I said, Gurley, a huge disappointment for me. Cup has another great game, really does seem to be the guy that, that Josh, oh my, I don't know why I was going to call him Josh Goff. Uh, Jared Goff likes to go to um, it whenever he can. Uh, Gerald Everett, though, continues to drop a little bit. Me and you have both talked about we weren't sure that he could stay up there in that top 12 ranking. Another bad game for him. Uh, are you starting to, I know you were never on to begin with, are you jumping off, though, the, the Everett bandwagon, or you think just a couple bad games and he'll bounce back next week? I think the Rams are kind of hard to figure out a little bit. I mean, um, it's going to be a bummer, obviously, if you have Cooks uh, with this many concussions. You figure he misses some time. But it didn't really help uh, Robert Woods any um, when Cooks went out. Josh Reynolds kind of comes in and, and is the one that gets a couple of big plays. Yeah, I actually played it. Everett on Sunday, so I was kind of you know out of desperation. And yeah. bye weeks, it's kind of disappointing to see. Uh, only three targets wasn't a huge part of the game plan. Uh, the Rams are starting to get to be one of those teams where – it's feeling like this year you don't know who's going to get the targets. They they must be working more on matchups. So I wasn't high on Everett continuing toward the end of the season. This is kind of a down game, but I mean he could come back, you know, two weeks from now and catch two touchdowns. It's really I, I don't know if I would put him in that range where you're happy to play him, but given the state of the position and some of the bye weeks and injuries, he's a guy you could put in there and get a pleasant surprise too. Yeah, I think for me now, it's almost moving to Cup is the only one you feel comfortable starting. I mean, I know he had two bad games in there, but for the most part, he's been really good. I mean, I had Robert Woods go in and 
trust me, we're about to get into another game where I, I tried to get a little bit too cute, and it cost me in a, in a pretty pivotal matchup that I needed to win this week, and that was uh, with, with Chase Edmonds and the Cardinals. So the Cardinals end up losing to the Saints 9-2-31. Uh, just, a, just a bad, bad game for the Cardinals here. Kyler Murray goes... 19 of 33, 220 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, 13 rushing yards, QB 26 with 14.85 points. Chase Edmonds, RB 57 with 3.3 points in this one, just 8 yards on 7 carries. Uh, did hurt his hamstring early and got pulled, added 5 yards in the receiving game. Christian Kirk, though, comes back finally after since, I think, week one. Has a good game, 79 yards on eight catches to come in at wide receiver 16 with 17 points. And then Charles Clay tied in nine with 11 points, 88 yards on three catches. Uh, and and this is where I got cute. I, I saw that David Johnson was going to be out, and I threw Chase Edmond in over Devin Singletary. Would you have done that? Uh, now, obviously, hindsight's twenty twenty. We know Devin Singletary had a much better day than Chase Edmonds. But going into the weekend, would you have done the same thing, seeing what we'd seen out of Chase Edmonds the past couple weeks? I did the same thing. Okay. Well, see, yeah. So it cost me. So, like, last night, <clears throat> I hate to go off on yeah. a tangent on my own fantasy team, uh, but I needed 40 I'm sorry, I needed 38.3 points from the Steelers defense and Juju Smith-Schuster, and I got 37.5. So I ended up losing by fraction points there uh, to a team that I would have ended up being now 4-4 and and sitting in the sixth spot in the playoffs. Instead, I dropped to 3-5 and and all the way down to 9. Still time left, but that was very frustrating knowing I had Singletary in, and literally I would say it was like, 10 o'clock Sunday morning, I was like, now, nah, you know what? We're throwing in Edmonds. He's going to have a good game against the Saints defense, even though I knew the Saints were very good against the run and bad against the pass, and I did it anyway. But and so it are hurt. the Eagles. I mean, yeah, Singletary didn't, it's not like Singletary had a plus matchup, and you're like, oh. But, I mean, as soon as they declared David Johnson out, it seemed like for sure Edmonds was the play uh, because we've seen you know the Arizona running back have – uh, value catching passes, running the ball, and yeah. Edmonds coming off of a three touchdown performance has been involved in the passing game. I mean, you can't predict injuries. You know, if he doesn't get hurt, what does the game look like? That's you know, true. Is it that is be true. Better? So I, I still not, and you know, if Singletary doesn't get that swing pass and turn it into a 20 yard touchdown, his day is not that incredible either. So right. but it's just I, I still think there. I would make the same decision with the information we had at the time. Sometimes it doesn't work out. Yeah, I know. It's just frustrating. And it, what's even more frustrating, and I hate to put it this way, is just the Yahoo settings. And maybe that's my fault, uh, but they have the uh, – they have the one-day review period stuff, and I had actually submitted a trade to trade away Chase Edmonds on Saturday morning to get Todd Gurley. And it was yeah. I was trading away Chase Edmonds and Curtis Samuel and uh, and Ricky Seals-Jones because uh, the guy needed a running back, wide receiver, and a tight end. I was like, okay, give me all that and give me Todd Gurley. And he accepted it, but because we didn't do the trade until I think it was like 12-10, it didn't go through in time for the games to start. So then I had to keep Chase Edmonds in my lineup. Had I had Todd Gurley... It was an automatic win right there because obviously he outproduced Edmonds. So it's just very frustrating all around knowing that. I mean, there's other decisions obviously that could end up costing me a playoff spot, but knowing I could be sitting in the sixth spot right now feels a whole lot better than sitting in the nine spot because now I got to make up ground and it's just, it's very frustrating. But, uh, Really on the Cardinals side here, I mean, we, we already know, as we talked about yesterday, Edmonds out for a couple weeks, Kenyon Drake in. We still have not heard any more news on DJ, and if it is more serious, 
uh, but you're likely getting at least Kenyon Drake's going to be the starter and the workhorse this Thursday for the uh, for the Cardinals. Uh, since yeah, we, but we have, talked about they they have the 49ers Thursday night yeah. and they have them twice in the next three weeks. I, I actually think the Cardinals is an offense I'm fading altogether for okay. a couple of weeks because they've had some struggles the last couple of weeks. Yeah, Murray has been okay, but hardly dynamic. He's not really found a lot of room to run. I think people are starting to defend him better, and he's facing some better defenses. So, uh, you know, even poor Larry Fitz hasn't been reliable the last couple of weeks. Um, the Charles Clay three for 88 is the prime reason why it's hard to trust any of the receivers in, in Arizona. They're, they're doing too many things, having too many injuries. Kenyon Drake coming in, trying to learn the air raid in two days. And then he's going to go face the 49ers yeah. who we saw just crush in the Carolina Panthers. Uh, no, I want no part of that. Yeah, that was what I was going to ask you was was Christian Kirk. He's the only one that's intriguing to me. We saw, obviously, him and Kyler Murray had a great connection in week one, and he produced, has been injured since, comes back this week, and actually has a really good game. But I, I was going to say, even for me, I don't think I'm playing him this week against that San Francisco 49ers secondary because they are well, very good. it feels like he's more likely to get Richard Sherman. Yeah, and so that's why, I mean, you look at, I'm actually watching, I've got NFL Network on in the background, and they're talking about the matchup of Kyler Murray and Bosa. I honestly think with, yeah. with as good as that defensive line is that we've talked about now here for the past couple of weeks, uh, they're going to be having Murray running around so much. I'm with you. I think I avoid the entire 49, I'm sorry, the entire Cardinals offense at least this Thursday, because uh, I, I don't see any of them doing a whole lot of anything. On the Saints side, though, their offense kind of, well, I shouldn't say came alive, because Teddy Bridgewater has actually played really good in Breeze's stead, but Breeze comes back one week before the bye to kind of prove to everybody he can still do it. 34-43, 373 yards, three touchdowns, one interception, comes in as QB3 with 39.42 points. Latavius Murray continues to prove he can be a very good back when given the ball. 21 carries, 102 yards, and a touchdown, adds 55 yards on nine catches, and a touchdown to come in as running back three on the week with 36.7 points. And then Michael Thomas continues to ball out regardless of who is throwing him the ball. 112 yards on 11 catches and one touchdown, caught all 11 of his targets, which is just ridiculous. And is actually, and I hate to bring this up, because I feel like I'm going to jinx him, because I brought it up last year as well. He is on pace right now to break Marvin Harrison's uh, most receptions in a season record right now. He He's, I believe, six ahead of him going into this point, and we brought this up a lot earlier last year because he did kind of tail off, but he's already going still through. We're about to head into week nine now, so doing a lot better with that. I'm hoping for it because I love Michael Thomas. as a phenomenal wide receiver. Outside of that, though, I, I just feel like, those are the three guys. I mean, you, you sub in Kamara for Murray when Kamara comes back. Do you think Kamara takes a step forward now with Breeze being back in the lineup? Yeah, I think just being healthy will help him. You know, he's been out, I think, the last two games and having a bye week. Yeah, obviously, he, you know, I'm thinking some of the production we saw was because he wasn't totally healthy. The bigger question to me is we, we've seen Latavius Murray really come on and come on in this offense is it going to be more like what we saw with Ingram and Kamara on the back end of last year? Um, yeah. I think Latavius Murray has played so well. We thought coming into the season he'd have value. He's played so well. Um, they don't really have a wide receiver two or tight end. You know that that's really threatening. I'm wondering if the fantasy plays are 
you know, Kamara, Thomas, Breezer starts, and then Murray is your best flex option. Yeah, I mean, that's something we all talked about when the season started, and, and he did get some workload with uh, with Breeze there, and then obviously once Breeze went down, it completely shifted. And so maybe we see more of that with Breeze coming back. There's really no way. I think, uh, obviously, they have the bye this week in Week 9. When Week 10 rolls around, if they announce Kamara's playing, I would not feel comfortable throwing Murray in my flex until we see what that workload looks like. But I think with what he's shown over the past couple weeks, I don't see how you cannot implement him into your game plan. They've done it before. He's proven he can do it. Uh, I think you've got to figure out a way to maybe not a 50-50 work, Sherry, but maybe a 60-40 in Kamara's favor kind of thing uh, because Murray is definitely talented and, and, and can do work when he's given the ball. Next up, we've got the New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jets losing 15-29. Uh, not only did Jacksonville win this game, but their troll of Sam Darnold playing uh, the Ghostbusters theme song and all that stuff in there, their uh, – mascot dressing up as a ghost I thought was just phenomenal I mean I I, I kind of feel bad for Sam Darnold at this point uh the Sammy goes 21 at 30 218 yards two touchdowns three interceptions that come in at QB 18 with 21.8 points Le'Veon Bell continues to struggle here RB 40 with 6.4 points 23 yards on nine carries and just three catches for 12 yards there are rumors that he might be traded probably would be the best thing for him at this point uh, just based on it, just seems like Adam Gase just cannot get him involved in the offense. I think the bigger issue is Adam Gase, but that's just me. Robbie Anderson, wide receiver 37 with 11.3 points, 43 yards on four catches. Uh, Demarius Thomas actually has a decent game here, 63 yards, five catches, but the big star, Ryan Griffin, 66 yards on four catches and two touchdowns. Um, I really think that that means when Herndon comes back, which he should be back this week, week nine, fire him up. Uh, obviously, like Ryan Griffin, he's a very good tight end, but Chris Herndon is by far the better offensive weapon. And what we've seen Ryan Griffin do the past couple weeks with uh, with with Sam Darnold now having Herndon back in there, I think Herndon easily moves back into that top 12 tight end territory. Uh, what do you think about him and then... What do you think about the Gase dynamic? Because I know obviously a lot of people were excited. I shouldn't say a lot of people. I know people who were excited about him going to New York thinking he was going to be a quarterback whisperer. You obviously had him as an offensive coordinator there in Denver for a while with Peyton Manning. Uh, I just think a lot of this has to fall on his head. What are your thoughts on Gase and this Jets offense? Yeah, I mean this year's been a disaster i know there was a lot of talk that he wasn't high on them signing bell during the offseason but you have a dynamic talent like that you can't figure out how to get him the ball can't really figure out how to get anderson the ball seems to want to trade him crowder is what he is i'm not sold that chris herndon comes back and is awesome uh you know he he was part of he was a product and his success was a product of the old regime we have never seen him play with Gase, uh, Ryan Griffin, somebody they added in the offseason, he's played pretty well the last couple of games. I wouldn't just assume that Herndon gets a spot back and takes all the snaps either. I, this Jets offense is probably a stay away until we can see something, you know, is who's the real, what Sam Darnold are we going to get? The guy that looked decent opening day against Buffalo, the guy that destroyed the Dallas Cowboys, or the guy that got destroyed by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, I understand falling apart against the Patriots. He's in good company there. But but this game, you know, this gives me a, a huge moment of pause. 
Yeah, I just, I mean, I guess we'll see. I, I doubt they fire him after this year. I, I, there's a lot of coaches right now that are being talked about being fired after their first year. Him and him and Kitchens are both in that discussion. It'll be interesting to see what happens. I think it's, uh, you know, insane to think that he has roster control and is the head coach because I would not be surprised if we don't see a bunch of players shipped out of there. And again, as you were talking about, they were right there. They were right there with the Browns getting all that hype about possibly being a team that could be a, be uh, playoff contenders or be a wild card contender because you knew they weren't going to win the East with the Patriots being there outside of like a Tom Brady injury. Uh, so a lot of thoughts that they could be in the playoffs and then now they could be in full sell-off mode is is, is ridiculous to think about. Well, uh, and Gase maybe got a pass at the beginning of the season because it's Darnold having Mono. You didn't get to see his yeah. team. They were missing pieces. But the last couple of weeks seeing they just consistently look unprepared and, you know, Demarius Thomas might be the best play for them among wide receivers. He seemed to have the most steady floor, uh, which is shocking. Oh, yeah, definitely. On the uh, Jaguar side here, so Minshew gets it done again. 22-34, 279 yards and three touchdowns. Comes in at QB6 with 35.46 points. Added 28 yards rushing. Leonard Fournette continues to ball out. I hope this kid stays healthy all year because he has just been phenomenal. I think I've said it before and I'll say it again, is really bringing back that uh, value everybody thought they were getting from him when they took him 1-1 a couple years ago. 76 yards on 19 carries, added 60 yards on 7 catches to come in as RB10 with 20.6 points. Chris Conley and DJ Chark get it done here. Uh, Conley, 103 yards on four catches and a touchdown. Oh, I didn't even realize Chark had a touchdown. Even better. DJ Chark, 79 yards on six catches and a touchdown, which I called on Friday's podcast. I said he was going to have a bunch of catches, good yards, and a touchdown. Bounce back game for him. I am glad he did. Uh, trade just went down, so we'll talk about that here in just a second. Uh, DJ Chark comes in as wide receiver 10, I think, with 19.9 points. Uh, on the Jag side here, I mean, really, the only thing I want to talk about is Chris Conley. We've seen him now have a couple good games here. Is he moving into flex territory for you? Because I really feel like, and I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong or if you don't feel this way, I feel like Chark has definitely moved into at least wide receiver two value every single week, if not wide receiver, low end wide receiver one. Fournette's an automatic play. Minshew, I think, can easily be talked about right now as a top 15-ish quarterback, so he's in your lineup based on your, your other quarterbacks. What about Conley? Because he's had a couple good weeks. Is he moving toward, or are you already throwing him in your flex territory now? I think Conley um, has been, the, especially this week, was the product of Westbrook getting knocked out because uh, we had seen pretty consistently Westbrook and Shark uh, for several weeks kind of leading the targets. It looked like Conley kind of stepped into that role. So he's probably their wide receiver three. It's The question is, what is the wide receiver three worth in Jacksonville week to week? Um, you know, he he's probably a real boomer bust flex the last couple of weeks we've seen where he's gotten big points. It's been thanks to a big play and a touchdown or at least a touchdown. So, um I don't know if if I would confidently be rolling him out there, but we are hitting that point in the season where injuries and bye weeks start to make your uh, lineup decisions unappealing. Yeah. Um, so there are worse people to put out with a wish or a prayer. 
and especially if we see that Westbrook's going to be out this week, then I think you have a lot more confidence in what you might get from him. All right, before we move on to the Browns-Patriots game, uh, the trade that has gone down, which makes absolutely no sense to me whatsoever, the Rams have traded a keep to leave and a fifth-round pick to Miami for a future pick. Uh, that future pick has not been announced yet. Uh, just quick thoughts on that, Matt. Uh, I mean, did uh has to be a salary dump because the keep to leaves on IR. Gotcha. I was I gonna mean, say either... he's he's in the last year of his deal. He's injured. Um, they're essentially giving Miami a fifth round pick to eat a salary. I guess that's uh, yeah, Mike Clay that, that called it a salary sense. dump. I I gotta figure that's what it is. Uh, um, some more news that just broke, not a necessary trade, but uh, that Jamal Adams' name is being uh, talked about quite openly now uh, on the market. So that would be huge, I think, if uh, if if the, uh, he ends up getting moved. And, yeah, I'm seeing now that a lot of talk is they're doing it to hopefully re-sign Jalen Ramsey. So if that's the case, that makes a lot of sense there. Uh, all right, so the Browns and Patriots, I was hoping we'd have a lot more breaking news so we could just avoid this game altogether. Uh, Cleveland loses thirteen to twenty seven. It's just it's been a a miserable year. It's ridiculous. Uh, Baker twenty of thirty one, one hundred and ninety four yards, one touchdown, one interception. Coming to QB twenty two with twenty point six points. Nick Chubb could have had a much better day if he didn't fumble the ball twice. One hundred and thirty one yards on twenty carries. Did add one catch for seven yards. RB twenty five, ten point eight points. Jarvis Landry continues to be the best wide receiver in Cleveland for some reason. Wide receiver 35 with 11.5 points, 65 yards on five catches. Odell 52 yards on five catches to come in at wide receiver 40 with 10.2 points. And uh, Demetrius Harris um, shows up here with the touchdown, just one, uh, one, the one touchdown, 33 yards on two catches. I mean, I put on here, it's over for the Browns and not even over with a chance to come back. It's OVA, baby. It's over. Browns are done, in my opinion. Uh, Three turnovers on three consecutive drives was just bad. I mean, Chubb, one fumble. The other one just get chased down by a safety and fumbled on it. It was like an 80-yard run, too, which is just demoralizing. Uh, and then the Browns pulling off the whole um, uh, water boy play where he just throws the ball right to the defender and then tries to chase down after him. Just ridiculous. Uh, I don't I don't even know what to say about the Browns anymore. It's therapeutic for me to just break things at my house now with, with them playing the way that they are. Uh, the big question I have for you, because I cannot be objective when it comes to the Browns, is after everything we've seen now, we're about to go into week nine. Is there any chance Odell ever brings back a top 12 wide receiver uh, uh, production the rest of this year? Because I honestly feel like he's he's dropped down into wide receiver three territory, which is insane imagining the talent that he has and, and the fact that he's going to or came to Cleveland with a quarterback we expected to be 10 times better than Manning, and it just has not produced anything. Well, I think we won't really be able to, I, I think finishing top 12 feels like it's going to be a long shot at this point in time. They're obviously rolling their best coverage uh, to him, and Cleveland has a lot of problems getting some of these big plays done. The next two weeks with uh, Denver, where he'll likely see Harris and Buffalo, which has a pretty solid pass defense, you know, hard to imagine that's going to be a whole lot better for him. But uh, if he really explodes in the last seven or so games, um, you could see him get back up into that range. Yeah, I think we had wondered if there was too many mouths to feed. I my question for you is, uh, you know, we've passed um, 
kind of a, a key mile marker for the Browns or we're coming up on it, do you think we see they, them start mixing in Kareem Hunt? Because I had thought earlier this season, you know, if Chubb was cooking along and they were going with their offense, there wasn't going to be a big need to throw them out there. But yeah. they have struggled so much and they may, you know, the next two games aren't even a lock. Sunday, I think you and I, it's going to be the depression bowl. We'll just crack open a couple of cold ones and start texting each other, yeah. crying emojis. But, yeah, it's going to uh, be which team decides to lose that game because I don't think either one's going to win it. It's going to be who loses the game, I feel like, is what's going to happen on Sunday. Well, the good news is for Denver, you're facing uh, B- Blake Bortles' career backup. So here's uh, because the Because he was a third stringer behind Bortles in Jacksonville, then went to the Rams where he was the third stringer behind Blake Bortles right. uh, for the Rams. So, you know, I feel like that means Bortles is on his way to... Uh, Denver because that's that's our trajectory well see here's my thing because that's what my dad said yesterday too because we were talking before he left he's like well at least we only have to play Brandon Allen this week I'm like yeah but the defense isn't the problem dad our defense has been wonderful it's our offense can't score on anybody you could throw you could throw my JV high school team out there right now and Baker's throwing picks and fumbling the ball and Denver has a great defense so that's what I'm afraid of I mean we got granted yes Brandon Allen hasn't played but Baker's turning the ball over like it's Halloween. He's throwing out candy to everybody. All it takes is Chris Harris to get a pick and return for a touchdown. Denver wins the game. Or Von Miller gets a strip sack. Like I just um, I'm not sold in one bit so that they're gonna pull this off. I mean, that's to me that's the real question. Then do they start looking at Kareem Hunt like a guy that might give us a spark? Yeah. And what does that do? You know, obviously tough tough look for Nick Chubb on Sunday. For a while there, I think they were classifying it as three fumbles in a row they changed the one to being an interception yeah. on Mayfield, well, he did which is probably more right fair. to him so um but I, you know cleveland i you know is you have to wonder too is this going to be a team that's crushed its fan soul for nine weeks and ends up you know two two and seven or three and six and then all of a sudden goes on a tear at the end of the season and just misses the playoffs again so here's the thing i could honestly see that happening and that's what sucks because uh, i was going back and forth with a, a browns fan on twitter about it the other day saying uh, kind of something that we've talked about before that we knew the first part of their schedule was going to be tough uh, but once they got past this game, it's extremely easy moving forward. You really, after this game, which again, we're helped now too with Flacco not being out there. You have a phenomenal defense Next you're two facing. two weeks because you have, you have Buffalo after. Right. Well, so, I actually think Buffalo is tougher than. Well, the reason I'm comparing the two of them is because of their defenses. I think yeah. with the Browns defense, with, with what I was saying with Brandon Allen being there now, gives me some confidence because I feel like if they can get some turnovers, maybe give the Browns short fields they can end up doing something. They at least have a kicker who can kick field goals now. And I would say the same thing for the Bills. The Bills, their defense, although it did get lit up last week, I'm not I'm not going to read too much into that. Defense is phenomenal, but their offense, I feel like, can be stopped. And I feel like nice. the Browns uh, the Browns defense could get to them. So I feel like, yeah, I'm, I think they're going to be close games, but they're winnable. My, my fear is they're going to win a bunch of games now against teams that they should beat and even if they end up sneaking into the playoffs, we're all going to read too much into it where this is just – this is not the team we thought it was going to be. Because, uh, I mean, literally, you guys have Dolphins, two Bengals, yeah. and a Cardinals. That should be four wins. Should you be. Know, two with the Steelers, um, you know, could go either way. And Ravens, you already beat them once. Yeah. So, and now we you get know, getting them at home, you can't yeah. feel afraid. I mean, it's possible, you know, after Buffalo that you win – the last seven yeah but 
AFC wise, you know, if you're in that eight nine win range, is that well, enough to get in? That's the question. That'll be close. But the one thing I'll say is the Ravens have not played any of these teams that the Browns have played at the beginning part of the season. Like the Ravens yeah. get the Ravens get the Patriots this weekend. So it also could be because something a lot of people I feel like have kind of forgotten about with the Ravens is that. When they actually played some really good teams, they struggled. Now, they beat Seattle last week, and I'll give them that. They they were really good against Seattle two weeks ago, um, and they handled that. So maybe they're on the up and up. I still think the Browns have a chance, but I don't think they would do anything if they got into the playoffs because, as I said, I just don't think this team is what we thought it was going to be. They're beating up on bad teams, uh, and, and when it comes to playing mediocre or good teams, they're just not winning. I mean, yes, I know they beat Baltimore, but I also felt like that was just kind of the, the rails kind of came off for Baltimore as well. They they kind of yeah. took it to them early, and they stepped on their throats, which they didn't do against Seattle. I mean, a lot of people forget they were up. It was like 20-3 to in that first quarter or in, in the first mm-hmm. half, and then they let Seattle come back into it. So, I don't know what's well, going to happen. It's, trouble, it's scary. I think, the trouble, I think, when you're you're looking at Cleveland, it's not that they played a hard schedule because you knew they were going to play a hard schedule and it was possible they'd be under 500 or struggle yeah. record-wise. It's what you've seen of them yeah. playing on the field that it, it makes it hard to have faith. Had they been playing lights out and losing these tough games because of a tough schedule, you're like, well, you know, we're about to turn the corner. It's... Sometimes they haven't even appeared to be in the game. They took themselves out of this one against yeah. the Patriots because Patriots, in my opinion, their offense looked somewhat flaccid. Yes, you know, if they oh, didn't have 2019 fantasy football MVP Patriots defense special teams, yeah. I don't know, you know, where this game goes for them. Well, I think that's, in all honesty, the Browns' biggest problem, and that's where I think a lot of it falls on Freddie Kitchens, is that the team has been beating itself. You go back to the Rams game that they could have won that Monday night. Horrible play calling in the in the fourth quarter, and they had a chance to take the win. Uh, they've, they've Multiple turnovers. I don't even... I gave up on figuring out how many penalties they've had against themselves this year, because it's just been ridiculous. They've been the league leaders for a while, and I think they talked about it on... I was either listening to somebody talk about it on the radio yesterday. They were talking about it on the broadcast. I think the next closest team in in penalties is double digits away from the Browns. That's how bad they have been in penalties this year. So they're just playing undisciplined football and they're beating themselves because realistically they have been in every single game and they themselves have been beating themselves. So it's like I said, I'm not, I'm not getting my hopes up anymore. In fact, I'm going to start picking against them every week and maybe that'll help reverse (laughs) the juju or something. Uh, But it's just, it's been bad and, and terrifying. But to answer the long way to get back around to your Kareem Hunt discussion, I honestly don't know because I honestly feel like the past couple weeks, I've said it before, I think Nick Chubb has by far been the best player on the Browns team, offense and defensively. So I don't know what that means for Kareem Hunt. I don't know if they do try and squeeze him in there uh, uh, to give a spark because if you really look at it, Dontrell Hilliard's been getting a uh, a fair amount of work. I don't know if they just kind of plug him into the Hilliard spot and let Hilliard just kind of be a kick returner or what they do, but that Week 10 matchup is going to be huge because we will clearly see, I think, that'll be his first game that he's allowed to play. I wonder if they throw him out there a lot or if they start easing him in, but that'll be something I'm clearly going to watch to see what they do for Hunt because Chubb has been, for the most part, phenomenal all season long, so that really could hurt us as fantasy owners in the playoffs if if he does come back where I was someone who didn't think that was going to happen. I felt you could draft Chubb and easily he's going to be the guy. Maybe Hunt gets 30% of the work, and and you're right. With with them maybe needing a spark on offense, I would not be surprised if it moves more to a 50-50 workload. 
Well, and with him only being on a one-year contract, it's not like they're saving him to see what they can do next year if they yeah. don't try to trade him, which doesn't look like they are. You have to figure they must have some kind of plan of using him. Yeah. Well, they can pick up his uh, – he has an option that they can pick up in the offseason, and I think I, that's what I've always said I thought they were going to do was try and pick up that option because I can't remember how much it is, but it's not a lot, and then try and trade him and see if anybody bites on trying to take him for a year because it would only be a year option and trying to get something out of it, maybe like a third-round pick or something like that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I wouldn't uh, – that like I said, that week ten matchup is something I'm going to watch very closely because I do own Chubb in a couple leagues, and and I feel like that's really going to determine whether or not I'm going to be able to play him or or have as high hopes for him as I had hoped uh, when I drafted him early in a lot of drafts. But let, let's get on the Patriot side here, as we've kind of ignored them. Uh, not that they really did much in this game, but Tom Brady twenty of thirty six. 259 yards and two touchdowns to come in his QB 14, 27.36 points. James White, four yards on two carries, but adds four catches for 75 yards to come in at RB 23 with 11.9 points. Sony Michelle disappoints in this one, RB 38 with 7.4 points. Just 74 yards on 21 carries, so not a bad day overall. Just couldn't get that touchdown. Uh, but Julian Edelman just rocks out in this game. 78 yards, 8 catches, and 2 touchdowns. The the clear MVP. We did see Rex Burkhead come in here a little bit. Uh, I don't think really hurt Sony Michelle's that Sony Michelle that much. He was out there on a couple drives, uh, which obviously sucked. I was watching that game for the most part, uh, and someone who owns Sony Michelle in a couple of leagues. But I'm not necessarily worried about Burkhead. Are you? Because I feel like he's going to hurt Michelle more than anybody else. So what are, what are your takes on kind of trusting Michelle moving forward? No, I mean, I, I still believe in Michelle. I think we've seen the Patriots are going to use three running backs per game no matter what. Um, you know, when Burkhead was out, Brandon Bolden was out there catching passes, getting, getting runs. Um, so I, the Patriots are going to use a committee, uh, for different purposes at running back. Michelle still seems to be the primary rusher. White still seems to be the primary pass catcher. Uh, and then they're mixing other people in. Wide receiver situation is probably the most curious. Uh, the Patriots at various points have tried Antonio Brown, Josh Gordon, and Demarius Thomas. Uh, now they got Mohamed Sanu and still the best receivers, the most bankable ones they've had all season are Julian Edelman, who's always been there, and Philip Dorsett, who just keeps plugging along. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what Sanu does. He he honestly didn't do much of anything. He showed up in a couple key points in this game, but but not much to write home about. So I, I'm with you. I'm pro- Obviously, Julian Edelman is the guy you trust no matter what, but... Uh, I think uh, Dorsett's probably that next best guy until we see if they have anything else more planned for Sanu, and they were also talking about trying to trade for another wide receiver. So that'll be interesting to see if they do that. Uh, the last afternoon game we've got here, Oakland Raiders versus the Houston Texans. Raiders losing 24-227. Derek Carr, 18-30, 285 yards and three touchdowns to come in as QB7 with 33.9 points. Josh Jacobs struggled a little bit in this one, 66 yards on 15 carries, uh, just 15 yards on two catches to come in as RB28 with 10.10 points. Hunter Renfro has himself a day, though. Catches all four of his targets for 88 yards and a touchdown. Tyrell Williams, three catches for 91 yards and a touchdown. Renfro, wide receiver, 14 with 18.8 points. Williams, wide receiver, 15 with 18.1 points. And then Darren Waller um, you know, struggles a little bit, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on him. Does get eight targets, so the most out of the entire team, but just gets two catches for 11 yards and a touchdown to come in as tied in 13 with 9.1 points. 
On the Raiders side here, so I, personally, I'm not really reading much into the whole Renfro thing. I, I think it was just a good game for him, probably matchup based. He's not someone I'm really looking for on the waiver wire or anything. But Tyrell Williams being back, I know that Waller got more targets than anybody else, but do you think Williams being back affected Waller a little bit or no? You think it was just kind of he didn't get his catches? I think it was just kind of a, a bad game and, and game flow. He still got eight targets just wasn't able to haul a lot of them in does get the touchdown uh gets a couple uh, you know i think we'll see better days from him same thing for jacobs who was kind of on the injury report all week there was a lot of questions whether he was even going to be active i think he was okay but pro- they probably limited him a little bit we saw a little bit more deandre washington um so i you know those kind of things happen i don't think i would necessarily read much into either of those players but williams you know seems to continue to be solid when he's out there yeah. seems to be in the mix for tds uh, and is quietly having quite a season yeah, I think now that he's back, he easily plugs right back into that wide receiver two territory. He looked really good coming out there that first game back. Hopefully, uh, I, I, as someone who's dealt with plantar fasciitis before, it's not a fun injury to deal with. So as long as he's good and can be out there, I'm firing him up every single week. And I'm with you. I don't think it necessarily affected Waller. I think he'll be fine moving forward again. He had more targets than everybody else. I did not watch that game, so I don't know if it was just kind of bad throws by Carr or what happened. But uh, I, I'm fine trusting Waller moving forward. The Texans side, though, uh, first off, just phenomenal touchdown pass by Deshaun Watson to uh, to Darren Fells. If you guys didn't see it, actually got kicked in the face, avoided getting sacked. Like a whole, it was a whole thing, but a phenomenal play by Watson. I think continues right now, in my opinion, to probably probably be the MVP of the league right now, right there with Christian McCaffrey and probably Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Watson goes 27 to 39 for 279 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, does get you 46 yards rushing as well to come in at QB2 with 40.5 points. Duke Johnson leads the way in points at the running back position. One yard on three carries, but does add 33 yards and a touchdown on four catches to come in as running back 20 with 13.4 points. Hyde, RB33 with 8.3 points getting you 83 yards on 19 carries. Uh, Let's see here. DeAndre Hopkins continues to ball out, though. Wide receiver 8, 21.9 points, 109 yards on 11 catches. And then, as I mentioned, Darren Fellows caught a touchdown, actually catches two for 58 yards on six catches, tied in two on the day with 23.8 points. I think Hopkins... If you're a Hopkins owner like I am, you're hoping that Will Fuller stays out because it really feels like we saw this last year when Fuller goes out. This offensive passing game just funnels almost entirely through DeAndre Hopkins. When Fuller's in there, Watson definitely spreads it around, so you're hoping Will Fuller's hamstring uh, is bothering him for a little bit longer, and you're, you're hoping Hopkins gets to sit here and get all these targets once again. Darren Fells, I'm not necessarily buying into. I think it was just kind of one of those good games for him. Uh, but Duke seems to be getting a little bit more worked in this offense in the receiving game. Are you still buying Hyde over Duke? And then are you are you believing in Fells, or do you think it was just kind of one of those one-game wonder things? I think we've seen Fells uh, having a couple of games in here. I would kind of put him in the Gerald Everett category of tight ends. Um, it's such a weird position. You know, I might almost rather have him or an Everett over like a Greg Olson, who okay. seems to have disappeared, or Delaney Walker, who, you know, oh, are, yeah. those guys are kind of rocking their names. Um, but Duke Johnson, I think, is another beneficiary uh, that we've seen kind of go up in targets and, and looks with – uh, fuller out 
it feels like it's benefited both Hopkins and Johnson over some of the other uh, targets. So um, it's nice to see. I think their running backs are really going to be still a frustration week to week because, I mean, obviously Duke Johnson didn't do anything rushing-wise, yeah. and he hasn't been consistent every game in the passing game. So that's the tough part about playing him. So big news just came across for college football. I'll touch more on this tomorrow when I do my college football stuff, but the NCAA has come out and said that they are now going to permit athletes to be compensated for their names, images, and likenesses. So that is a big deal. That is very close to the, uh, it's not pay for play like a lot of people think it is, but that that's a big deal for, for college football, I think, uh, and, and college football athletes. It would be interesting to see what comes of this moving forward. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there. I will, I'll talk more about this, obviously, on, on tomorrow's podcast when we break down some of the college stuff. Uh, let's see here. What else we got? The Sunday night game, which actually turned out to be a pretty good game between the Packers and the Chiefs. Packers winning 31-24 to in this one. Aaron Rodgers continues uh, to just light it up and be an MVP candidate. 23-33, 305 yards and three touchdowns. Added 29 yards on the ground to come in as QB4 with 38.85 points. Aaron Jones dominates on the ground, but especially in the air. 67 yards on 13 carries, 159 yards on 7 catches, and 2 touchdowns to come in as RB1 with 41.6 points. Jamal Williams, RB11 with 18.6 points in this one. 22 yards on 7 carries and a touchdown and added 14 yards on 3 catches and a touchdown. I hope you played both of them as I told you guys to play both of them on Friday's podcast. Aaron Jones just oh my god he lit it up it's gonna be that that backfield is gonna be semi frustrating moving forward uh, and then Jimmy Graham kind of comes up short in this one tight end twenty two with five points in this one uh, just three catches for twenty yards wide receivers do absolutely nothing so at this point is it just Jones Rogers and Williams until Adams comes back for you in this Green Bay offense. Yeah, I, I think that's the case. And, you know, when Adams comes back, you're putting him out there, but they basically, they've shown you now they have five or six guys that are wide receivers that they like, and they're happy to throw to any or all of them, yeah. uh, depending on the moment. You know, we've waited to see if Allison or MVS was going to establish themselves as a number two with Adams or, you know, distance themselves without him. And now, I mean, you've seen last week, you saw a couple of big plays from guys. I think the probably the least dependable one shockingly to me this whole season has been Allison. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, I'd almost rather Lazard or MVS. Um, it seems like there's a better chance of something happening, but it both running backs look good. Uh, I think they found a real comfort level there, both as pass catchers and as rushers. Um, Jones is just a, a great weapon out of the backfield. So that feels like uh, the real play there. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I feel like it's uh, ooh, 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 hang on, breaking Browns news. Hang on, uh, will um, I'm with you on that. I think it's just Adams as someone who owns Adams. I hope he comes back sooner. It did, did seem like he was getting closer to playing this week. So hope or last week. So hopefully that means week nine he'll be out there. Uh, but no real confirmation on his status. Uh, and then 
never mind on the Browns news. I thought it was saying that they were going to get Trent Williams. It's just saying that they're trying to trade for him, but doesn't look like a deal. It looks like a deal is not close to being done. So on the Chiefs side, Matt Moore, 24-36, 267 yards and two touchdowns in this one to come in as QB12 with 28.98 points. Damian Williams, RB29 with nine points, 30 yards on seven carries and a touchdown. LaShawn McCoy, just 30 yards in, I'm sorry, 40 yards in this one with nine on nine carries. Tyree Kill, 76 yards on six catches to come in at wide receiver 23 with 14.1 points. Uh, Mecole Hardman, wide receiver 25 with 13.5 points, gets the touchdown on 55 yards and two catches. And then Travis Kelsey, a touchdown on 63 yards and four catches, tied in five with 16.3 points. I know uh, Hardman had himself a good day here, or mostly because of the touchdown. I think for me, until Mahomes comes back, which I know there was video of him or he was out on the, the field throwing the ball around a little bit before games and or before the game Sunday night and everything. I still think he's at least a week or two away. I just can't imagine he's going to be out there playing in a week nine. Uh, so until he comes back, for me, it's still Kelsey and Hill. I, I would not trust playing anybody else. I thought the running backs would be better, and they just were not against a, a Packers defense that was giving up a ton against the run as well. So that was even more surprising for me. What about you and your thoughts here on this uh um, what's it called? Uh, I was going to say, what's it called? The the Chiefs offense is what it's called. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs offense? Yeah, and I know the, the Chiefs lost, but uh, from what we saw from Matt Moore, he was by far not the problem. And if I'm Kansas City, you got to play the long game. You put Mahomes back in there against the Vikings this week or before he's ready and something happens, then, then he's gone for good. I think they if I was a Chiefs fan or a Chiefs coach, what I saw from Matt Moore would have made me feel more comfortable that we should wait until we have the real Patrick Mahomes because they have some pretty crucial games going down the backstretch, and their division is so bad uh, that they're not really in any danger right now. (laughs) From uh, a couple other thoughts, I think Hardman has moved past Robinson. Yeah, um, we wondered, you know, where they were at, but I think you can pretty well securely say that he's he seems to be number three. I almost like him better than Watkins. He yes. seems to be having more of the big play. I love that you uh, said ability that. Ability too. Yeah, uh, running backs. So Damian Williams, I was ready to write his obituary. He had not gotten into the game at all. They had used Daryl Williams. They had used Darwin Thompson. They behind McCoy. And then LaShawn McCoy put the ball on the ground, and you never saw him come back. And yeah. Damian Williams all of a sudden goes in. That chief, that tells you that the running back situation is maddening. I actually posited in our uh, Fantasy Life blog uh, writer's chat that uh, if the Jets are serious about moving Bell, Kansas City would be an awesome destination for him because yeah. he might solve all their problems. They could send the corpse of LaShawn McCoy back with a second-round pick and say, uh, bygones Adam Gase yeah I mean I don't even know if they need to send a second round pick back because they're going to take on a pretty decent salary I know uh, Bell's contract isn't that much this year but his 2020 salary is a pretty decent hit yeah. against the cap so they might not even have to send a pick back maybe a, th- maybe a third or fourth just based on the salary uh, almost a salary dump thing we were talking about earlier taking on that salary from the Jets but uh, that would be interesting obviously that would make a lot of fantasy fans kind of salivate there seeing Le'Veon Bell go into that offense uh, I'm with you on Mahomes. I mean, he is the franchise. I know you want to win games now, obviously, but I mean, they're so, as you stated, that division just looks so bad. I mean, I can't, I don't even see Oakland. Oakland's the next best team. 
and I don't see them competing for a playoff spot. And then you have the Chargers and the Broncos. So I think you've got one game coming up that looks like it's going to be difficult, and that's the Vikings next week. I mean, Titans, Chargers, Raiders, I think are all winnable games. If, if you want, I mean, I think I would imagine by the Raiders, because they have the buy in between there, uh, that, uh, that Mahomes might be able to come back. Titans and Chargers, with the way we've seen Matt Moore play the past two weeks, are winnable games. So I, I would, I would, I'm right there with you. I would hold Mahomes out until he is ready to come back. Maybe even hold him out of that Raiders game and have him come back that week against the Patriots because I, I know a lot of people are talking well, about. Well, they well, have a bye week in there. Week 12 is their yeah. bye, so I, you know. I, yeah, I think we right before the, the Raiders game, he would come back post bye. I, you know, I still think that's probably for the best because he didn't have any major ligament damage, and I know he's a competitor. He wants to be out there, but you know. You got to yeah. think about Super Bowl and not about can I win Week Ten. Oh yeah, yeah. See, well, I was bringing up the Patriots part because a lot of people are saying, well, they have to keep uh, keep pace with the Patriots. Well, they've already lost two games, and I would say at best, I see the Patriots losing one game this season. We already saw last year in the playoffs they can compete with the Patriots in their house. I mean, technically, the the. Yeah. The, or the Chiefs should have won that game last year in the playoffs. I mean, you don't have that offsides call or even that uh, roughing the passer call that was not roughing the passer on Brady. The Chiefs beat the Patriots. The Chiefs know they can beat the Patriots, whether you're playing them in Gillette or in Arrowhead in the playoffs. They can win that game. Uh, for Matt, I'm with you. I think you got to focus on making sure Mahomes is healthy, not just throwing him out there to try and keep pace with a team that you can probably beat in the playoffs. So, Well, and the Chiefs are 5-3, and three, so oh, they're, three, they're a little ways back. Right. So. Yeah. You know, we've seen the North is is probably no one's going to run away. You know, 10, 10 wins, I'd say, was probably a division winner yeah. between, you know, Baltimore, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. You've seen the, the South has been really competitive, seesawing back and forth with the Colts and the Texans. You know, you imagine 10, 11 is probably the win marker there. Those are the teams that Kansas City needs to keep an eye on. So even you drop one, Maybe to the Vikings, which I I still think at home they could beat the Vikings without yeah. Mahomes. Based oh, on yeah. what we saw, their offense you know didn't have a lot of problems. But even if you lose that, when you, you get teams like Tennessee or the, the Chargers are a mess, they've already beaten the Chargers once. I still think there's a clear path, even if you wait <coughs> a few weeks for the Chiefs to get to 10, 11 wins, you should win your division. You're probably in strong position to get that first round by which at this point is probably all your your best hope for yeah yeah i agree with you I, I i just don't see any realistic way they catch the pats um last game uh last night the miami dolphins and the pittsburgh steelers was actually fairly interesting for at least till halftime uh, miami took a pretty quick 14-0 lead uh, then the the Steelers went on and scored 27 unanswered points on the Finn side here. Ryan's fit, Ryan Fitzpatrick, 20, QB 21, with 20.5 points, 21 of 34, 190 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions, added 17 yards on the ground. Mark Walton, RB 42, with 6.4 points, 35 yards on 11 carries, uh, and did add 19 yards on three catches. And then... Let's see here. Devontae Parker, the last real relevant person, or wide receiver, really. 59 yards on six catches to come in as wide receiver 33 with 11.9 points. Still love what I saw out of Preston Williams, 42 yards on four catches. 
Uh, Dolphins side here, I mean, I don't think anything's really changed. Uh, you're really not starting any of these guys, at least in my opinion. Uh, I, I liked some of what I saw out of Walton. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. I'm not reading too much into this matchup with the Steelers defense being as good as it was. Three yards of carry is not great, but not horrible. I want to see what he does moving forward. Uh, I would like, like I said yesterday, probably low end RB2 at best, but more likely a flex option moving forward. What are your thoughts on the Finns offense? Yeah, I think Walton's a flex uh, consideration, probably still Devontae Parker. Uh, It was a weird game. Preston Williams seemed to get off pretty quick. Had that four for 42, I think, early in the first half. And then uh, nothing. They're rotating a lot of players. You know, you saw Jakeem Grant out there. Alan Hearns catches a touchdown. Albert Wilson catches a touchdown. Balazs is out there. Gusecki's out there. They use three or four different tight ends. I was watching their player rotations. That to me is a fantasy nightmare, especially on a, on an offense that's not high volume, that is high turnover. Um, you know, I thought a good sign for Walton is that he, he had that fumble and they went back to him and kept using him. So it shows they probably have a little bit of confidence. You know, you didn't see him get yanked and Balage come out on the next drive. So I took that as an encouraging sign, but you know, it's going to be a, a, a tough year for Miami. Yeah, on the Steelers' side here, uh, let's see. So Mason Rudolph, while struggling in the in the first quarter, really kind of lit up in the second half. Still struggled making some throws, uh, but made uh, Juju relevant again, which I know made both of us happy. 20-36, 251 yards, two touchdowns, one interception uh, to come in as QB 16 with 25.4 points. James Conner, RB 8 with 24 points. 23 carries, 145 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Did hurt his shoulder in this one. Sprained AC joint. So we'll see what happens with that. Likely going to be out this week. Jalen Samuels dealing with an injury right now. They just have Trey Edmonds as their only viable back on the roster. uh, As Benny Snell hurt his knee as well. So we'll be interesting to see what happens with them. But Juju comes back as wide receiver 7, 22.8 points, 103 yards, 5 catches on one touchdown. I love seeing the 9 targets, though. That, That was big for me. And then uh, Deontay Johnson, really outside of his big touchdown play, doesn't do much, but five catches, 84 yards, and a touchdown to come in as wide receiver 11 with 19.4 points. I talked about it when the Steelers went into the bye. I thought coming out this week, I know it was the Dolphins, uh, but we needed to see if this offense could get clicking now with with Mason Rudolph. I liked what what I saw out of that game. I mean, I really feel like Juju looked good again. Mason Rudolph was looking good. Are we buying into this? I don't want to say Juju's back up to that wide receiver one territory, but are we feeling better about Juju now moving into the back half of the season? Yeah, I mean, I think based on what we saw, he could be um, a low-end wide receiver too uh, going forward, which would be a step up. I actually liked Deontay Johnson too. Um, Mason Rudolph just barely missed a about a 60-yard touchdown to Juju and did the same thing with Johnson in the second half. So, you know, I like that they're taking shots. Um, they had talked about uh, – the first few starts for Mason Rudolph, they had a graphic last night on Monday Night Football. His average depth of target was something like six and a half yards, um, was just really poor. And last night, up 14, 15 yard depth of target mark. If they are going to go back to kind of trying to stretch the field and move the ball, I think that's some of what always made the Roethlisberger offense a little bit more uh, imposing. So I, I liked what they, they did. You know, James Washington, kind of a tough game, but it was nice to see him getting some more targets. Maybe he'll start to come back to life. 
running game is going to be an interesting question. Samuels was actually questionable going into last night. They opted not to play him, but now going into next week, maybe their healthiest, best option to start um, because it sounds like Snow might miss some time and Connor, you know, hard to trust with that shoulder. Uh, so kind of a bummer. You're finally seeing Connor and Smith Schuster and these guys doing the offense that you were hoping you were going to get all season and now might be missing one or more of the pieces. Yeah, I think that'll be the, the biggest thing to watch is what happens now with Connor. I can't imagine he plays next week. Like I said, all they're showing right now that I've seen is that he has a sprained AC joint, but not really giving a timetable on that. Uh, we know when Jalen Samuels got hurt, they said it would be three or four weeks. So I think going into this week, it's week three. So they might only have him out for one more week, but that'll be definitely something to to watch uh, here moving forward. Um, you know, well, we'll, and they're a team, you know, just kind of like Cleveland that you should start getting excited about the back half. Maybe, you know, they have Colts and Rams at home the next two weeks, then at Browns, at Bengals, home to Browns, at the Cardinals. Bills are a tough one, but then Jets and Ravens. You can you can score on those defenses. You can move the ball on those defenses. They're not facing, uh, you know, none of them are terrible defenses except for maybe, uh, maybe the Cardinals and the Bengals, but none of them are, are truly elite defenses. So, you know, slow start Mason Rudolph, you have to remember has only started. I think they said last night was his fourth career start. Um, you know, so a guy kind of working his way in, working his way up, learning the ropes. Uh, last night, I thought we finally saw some things that, that could make you excited. Yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm with you. I think obviously we, we need to hope that Rudolph stays healthy. It was just a concussion. It's not like it, well, I shouldn't say not a serious injury. It is a serious injury, but hopefully that doesn't happen to him again. I think Juju, you're trusting in. Like I said, Deontay Johnson has definitely looked good the past couple matchups. I think obviously a lot of his points though came from that touchdown. It was like a third and 20, I think is what it was. And he, and he scored that touchdown. Uh, in my opinion, didn't yeah. do much outside of that, but still they, they have gone to him a lot since Mason Rudolph has been in there. So worth watching. Uh, but as a Juju owner myself, I'm, I'm excited from what I saw. I'm hoping that that continues to move forward uh, with him. Cause I'm going to need him to step up if I'm going to make the playoffs in a couple of my leagues. So last bit of news that's come out, nothing, Nothing concrete or anything, but it does look like Dallas is pushing very hard to try and get Jamal Adams. If they did that, I mean, my goodness, that would be a big deal for the uh, for the Cowboys. So we'll see what happens there. As I said in the beginning of the podcast, me and Matt will be back on Thursday, and we will break down all of the trades that happen. We'll give you kind of our full analysis because we'll have had a, a full day to kind of digest everything and go over what we think it means for fantasy. So I'm looking forward to talking to you on Thursday, Matt. Get home safe and uh, enjoy the trade deadline. See if anything good happens, and I can't wait to talk to you on Thursday. Yeah, and maybe we'll just break down period when we have to talk about the Browns versus Broncos Super Bowl this weekend. Yeah, I don't know. I guess, uh, I guess we do have to do it on Thursday. Way to bring down the mood, man. It just started raining here, too, and now it's just like everything's just crashing down on me. I guess we can we can save that for the end of the podcast. We'll, we'll give a clear warning. Be like, all right, everybody, if you don't want to hear depressing just sighs and everything, turn the podcast off now, and then we'll break down the game. It'll be our blue period. Yeah, sounds like a plan. All right, I will talk to you on Thursday. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Have a good one. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. <laughs>
throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly! Only tackle them the 40 yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs>